0: Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're in a series entitled, A Miracle for You. What I'm trying to do is to nurture a spirit of faith, spirit of God, in every heart, every person. To think about how God wants to move in your life to bring a miracle. We're also going through the Gospel of Mark. Like in a turn to the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be reading out of chapter 8 in just a little while. A miracle for you as I have defined it simply reads like this. God desires to do a unique and extraordinary work in you. Would you turn to your neighbor again and just say, in you. In you. A miracle in you. And around your life by his supernatural power. Now we believe that a miracle can come to every person. I want you to believe that a miracle can come into your life. A miracle can come into your world. And God can do something extraordinary in every realm of living. Because we believe he's a living God. In the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to read from verse 22 in just a few minutes. Before I do that, I want to set up the reading by talking a little bit about what a blind person goes through and how the process of them receiving their sight is so amazingly parallel to how we also go through a process when we move from the natural realm of seeing to the spiritual realm of discerning spiritual things. A blind person goes through precise changes if they ever do have a change in their sight. And there are people that have gone through changes from being blind to being able to see through surgery, through other things that have happened. And we have done tests, medical tests on these people. We have research on people that have gone from blindness to sight. Now, I'm going to parallel Us going from our blindness, that is, we're not able to see the miracles that God has for us. Because we're not really tuned into that realm. So we can't see the miracles coming. We can't discern the work of God around us. We can't really see exactly how it's all adding up and it's going to work out. And so we lose faith for the miracles that are coming our way. Because we can't see into that realm. Let me talk with you about seeing miracles coming your way at a precise time in each of our life, normally around the age of 12 months, a profound change takes place. A person's perception of the world moves from a predominant reliance on touch to reliance on sight. Touch precedes and teaches sight until the sight cells gain dependable notions of shape, distance, and solidness this learning process occurs in everyone, everyone that is except the blind. Sightless people never make the transition unless their sight somehow is restored. Early in this century, the dramatic event occurred often, thanks to the just perfected miracle of the cataract surgery and other kind of surgeries now the people blind from birth who had always lived by a conception of the world from the blindness suddenly came into a place where they could see. When their eyes opened, they encountered a world far different from what they had imagined. In some cases of long-term blindness, central vision had atrophied from peripheral vision, and it gave the patients the first look at the world They were scared to death. One author writes about the opportunity to study people who moved from this blindness state into sightness and tried to document the process they went through. Observing these adults, he put out a great book called Space and Sight. Basic notions of space, motion, shape are incomprehensible to the newly sighted person. For an example, sighted people have learned certain assumptions about spatial distance. A building within sight is nearby. Within walking distance, a destination that requires a bus, train, or plane is obviously further away. The sightless, in contrast, judge distance by its effect on their muscle tension. To them, reaching a building a mile away requires the taking of many steps. But a destination involving a train... A bus or a plane or a ride seems nearby because getting there uses little tension, so they have no comprehension of space, depth, and time. Once these patients could see, a bewildering world of size and perspective confronted them. Previously, they had a firm conception of size. An orange was about the size of a cupped hand. A face Two-hand widths as they would touch people. In a shocking reversal after surgery, none of the blind rules applied anymore. How big is your mother? A researcher asked a 16-year-old girl moving from blindness to sight. The girl held her index fingers a few inches apart... The same distance she had estimated for the size of a book. Her mother, standing across the room, took up about that much of her field of vision. So that was her understanding of the size of her mother. Gradually, over a period of months, these patients had to learn the meaning of space, distance, and perspective. Vertical distances remain unfathomable for a long time. For the newly sighted had no prior conception of space beyond what they could feel by touch. Sky scrapers and trees loomed high. But how could they gauge height over 10 feet, the height reachable with a cane? One patient, observing some interesting activity on the street below, stepped off the balcony of a tall apartment building and was killed. A plane in the sky or an elevator that moved with them with no muscular effort where mysteries define explanation. The blind also had learned motion in terms of muscle changes and could not readily perceive it with their eyes. Finally, they had to teach them through touch and eyes, so they were introduced to a whole new world. Moving from blindness to sight is moving from one realm to another realm. There are many more stories about people moving from blindness to sight that are fascinating, some of them very sad. One of the sad things is that many of the blind people studied would prefer to go back to blindness. They would prefer the world that they knew with the perspectives and the space and the distance and the emotional uh, attachment they had to that world. Their understanding and how their mind worked to the world of sight because the world of sight threw them into a world they had never been taught how to live in. So it is in the spiritual realm. I believe that many people do not know how to move from a natural realm of seeing everything around us as we see and feel our way through life. And so we live in that realm of sight in the natural realm for us to move from the natural realm into the spiritual realm. Sometimes it's like the blind person going from blindness to sightness. None of the rules applied. It's not the same distance. It's not the same space. It doesn't really look the same to us any longer. We don't feel the same. We're actually more comfortable living in the world of our own sight and feeling and understanding how life really is than moving into a world that we, we really don't understand the rules and the rules don't match the way we live and the rules are so different it's hard for us actually to apply our life to that world. Moving from blindness to sight in the kingdom of God Is what I'm talking about in this particular message. Moving yourself into the realm of seeing miracles that could be coming your way. Seeing into a realm where the rules are different. Seeing into a realm where not everything works or many of the things don't work the same as the realm that I live in every day, almost 24 sevens. How do we move from the natural To the spiritual realm to see God at work. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight, we have another miracle of the Lord Jesus. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight. I'd like you to start with me at verse twenty-two. Mark eight twenty-two. Then he came to Bethsaida. They brought him a blind man. I want you to notice. They brought to Jesus the blind man, helping out the person in need. And they begged him, notice, to touch the blind man. Why? Because that was the only world he knew. The world... He moved in was a world that he could move in by touch, by touching people's faces, by holding someone's hand, by having a cane on the road. Everything was done by touch. So they came and they said, now, would you touch him? So he took the blind man by the hand. Notice what Jesus does. Takes the blind man by the hand and let him out of the town. Why did he lead the blind man out of the town? Maybe because he knew when the blind man was healed. That the blind man would totally freak out in the city with all the sights and the sounds and the spaces and the distance. And it would be a very uncomfortable healing for that man. So Jesus takes him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes, literally took some spit and touched his eyes. And again, I think this is to assure the man that a healing could take place because the man can respond to touch that something really was happening. So Jesus touched his eyes with the wetness of his spit and his hands on him. And he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. The healing is not totally there. I I can see some sight, some movement. It's like, Trees walking. I, I don't know how to explain the size of people, but it's a blind man receiving his sight into a new world. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and he saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone of the town. So the man receives his healing, receives his miracle, the miracle of seeing. He put his hands on his eyes and he was beginning to see from one realm to another realm, even though he couldn't see totally clear at first. It became clear and he began to live in that new realm. I want the Holy Spirit to come and put his hands by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit upon every eye in every room on every campus. Every time we pray together for miracles. I want there to be the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon every person to understand how they might move from the realm of the natural to the realm of the spiritual, the miracle of seeing. First Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says this, seeing beyond. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard. Now this is the natural realm. Nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. First Corinthians 2.9 translation. Things beyond our seeing. Now, I want there to come into your spirit, into your spirit man, which has spirit eyes. You have the ability to actually see things that are invisible, see things that do not exist. You have the ability to see into a realm in a perspective that will bring you to a point of decision and contact with that realm. Even though you can't see it in the natural. You can't hear it in the natural. You have to move into that realm by faith to see things that God wants to do in your life. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says things beyond are seeing. Things beyond are hearing. Things beyond our imagining. All prepared by God for those who love him. I want everyone right now just to put your hands on your eyes. Now, Father God, right now, I pray that will come the spirit of the living God upon every person in this room. Lord, I pray for every person that is listening to this message. Lord, they would right now receive a spirit of faith. That would come upon them. That would open their eyes to a new realm of living. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would anoint their eyes right now. And they would begin to see things beyond. They would begin to hear things they've never heard. And they would begin to go places they've never gone. Because you will begin to reveal to them the miracle power of God. in the realm that they're moving into. Lord, open the eyes. Of the inner man. In the mighty name of Jesus. Things beyond your seeing. Beyond your hearing. Things that are beyond your imagining. Prepared by God. Seeing the invisible. Second Corinthians 4.18 We do not look at the things which are seen. That's the natural. But at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, the whole realm of our world. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, this is our desire to move into a Luke 7 verse 16 experience, seeing God at work. I believe that God is at work in every life. God is actually bringing miracles around you. He's setting you up to move into a miracle situation. He has miracles that he's going to drop onto your life. He has miracles that he's going to steer you into. He has miracles that you will crossroad with. He has miracles that you have waited for that haven't happened, but they will happen. He has all kinds of things set up for your life. And God wants there to come an expectation in the spirit of every person that you would actually begin to look for those miracles. You would begin to open your spirit for those miracles. And you would begin to say, I know that God is at work around my life. And even though there are things that, that seem to be so, uh, the obstacles that I'm up against that I could never ever overcome by myself or I can't see that would ever happen by itself. I don't know how this will ever come together. There has to come into your spirit. A miracle perspective. Not just a miracle confession, but a whole perspective of the way you live. It's the perspective that it's possible. God can. God is willing. God is a God of love. God is working for me. I'm reaching into the realm of the invisible. It's not just everything I see. My life is more than things. My life is more than job. My life is more than clothes. My life is more than the tangible. Seeing God at work in your life. Luke seven sixteen, they all realized they were in a place of holy mystery. Do you see your life in a place of holy mystery? That God was at work among them? Is God at work amongst you? They were quietly worshipful. And then, noisily grateful, calling out among themselves, God is back. Looking to the needs of his people. One of my favorite verses in this translation. God is back. Looking to the needs of his people. Come on, say it with me. God is back. Looking to the needs of his people. Turn to someone around you and say, God is back. Looking to your needs. Come on, tell someone. God is back. Looking to your needs. Now, you are a holy mystery. You might not feel like a holy mystery. You might feel like a holy mistake. You might feel like a holy war. You might feel like everything around you is just not lining up at all for the things you want to see in your life. But the Bible says you're a holy mystery. And God is at work in you and around you. And God is actually working out some miracles behind you and in front of you and beside you. And God will work for you in supernatural ways. And you need to begin to see into that realm how God is bringing these mighty works into your life. Maybe you're like the blind person coming into the new land of sight, the new time of sight. And you can't make out everything and the rules are changed. And, and you can't really figure out how much space and distance. But you know. That there's a new realm that you're moving into. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see God working in my life and my world. The Holy Spirit wants to open your eyes so that you can see God working in your life and in your world which is the world of people and things and activities and crises and disappointments and joy and sorrow and sickness and death. And all the things that happen in your world. If you could put your world perfectly together, you might put it different than it is right now. But you do have to believe that God has a plan for you and your world. The Holy Spirit begins to open your eyes to see God working. Ephesians 1.17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give to you, notice, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, Holy Spirit, come upon us right now with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. Why? The eyes of your understanding will be open that you may know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory, the exceeding greatness of His power toward you, According to that mighty power working in you, your eyes have to open. Now, when we're born again, we have the ability to have a spirit man. When the Holy Spirit begins to fill our whole being and we begin to walk in the Word of God and learn prayer, we begin to grow in the things of the Spirit. Our eyes begin to open to the Word of God. The very first thing that happens is you get quickened in the Word of God and you begin to see things you never saw before. And you might even say that to people, I never saw that before. You begin to pray and you see God in activities that you never imagined before, but you can see God working and you use that phraseology that God is at work. I, I didn't know it, but I can see that God is at work. Why? Because you have a new perspective. You know that there is a God. God. You know that God is working for you. You know the devil can be defeated by the Holy Spirit in the blood of Jesus. You know that God is working all things together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. You know that God loves you with an everlasting love. You know that your feet have been put on a path where you are walking in the will of God and doing the will of God. And that God is for you. And as you realize that, your perspective of life begins to change. Your eyes open. First Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 14, the natural man does not understand how the spirit realm works. Now, the sad thing is there could be hundreds and thousands of millions of people that come to Christ, but never grow or come to church, but never become spiritual people. You can come to a building, sing a song, listen to someone preach, but never grow your spirit man. And so you can remain what the Bible calls carnal, babes, those who still do not know how to handle the word of God, those who have an immature perspective of God and prayer and the word and all the things of the kingdom of God. You, you don't grow in those things till you can't see them. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The unspiritual self... Just as it is by nature, can't, everyone say out loud, can't, come on one more time, can't, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. Why? There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness to the person. And so the things of the Spirit can't be known. Because they're not spiritual enough to receive it, their natural man cannot open up to it. Let me give you a definition of a person who lived in the natural realm, who is called a natural person, as First Corinthians 2 refers to. The natural person lives only in the realm of natural things and does not value or discern spiritual things. A miracle for you, a miracle for your world, a miracle for your life. A faith to see the miracle come. A faith to believe that God is working. But if you're in the natural realm, and you're living in that carnal state, you don't have value for the things of the Spirit, you can't discern God at work. You'll become discouraged, cynical, depressed. You'll give up prayer. Prayer. You won't reach to God. You won't claim your promises. You won't push the realm. You won't learn the new rules. Because you live in the natural realm. The natural eyes do not see the God-given destiny for your life. But if you would open your eyes spiritually, you will see things you've never seen before. Your natural ears... May hear what everyone has said about you, whether it's a teacher or a parent or a friend or someone who's really gotten on your case a lot, or people that actually have said things to you that are true, but it's really not true in the kingdom of God because it's not what you can become. It's really binding you to a negative self-image, a negative past. It's binding you to something you don't want to be like. But your natural ears hears those things. And so you begin to see and hear things that shape what you believe for instead of moving into the realm of newness and supernatural change, which comes through the Holy Spirit. It. The natural ears have not heard the God plans and strategies for your life. You need to hear things that you've never heard before. The spiritual man, look at it in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. The spiritual person, Paul says, does understand how the natural realm does not work For them in the spiritual realm. But how the spiritual realm actually takes authority over the natural realm. And the spiritual person has a different worldview And a perspective on how life can be lived. And Paul says that. In verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given us. What is a spiritual person? My definition simply is one who interprets spiritual things. It's sensitive to the spirit. Is driven by the spirit and who sees God at work. Test your life right now. Are you living in the natural realm where you're driven by your own thoughts? your own eyes, only what you see, your own ears, only what you hear? And because of that, are you living kingdom life? Are you living victoriously? Are you living with miracles coming into your life? Are you believing by faith? Even when things don't seem like they should be happening to you, you realize that God is still in the process. And so you go above that because you have a different mindset than just a natural realm. Are you a spiritual person that actually takes authority over the natural realm? and you are driven not by your ears or your eyes or your thoughts or your just your natural emotion or just the world of touch you're driven by another whole set of rules a spiritual person interprets spiritual things the spiritual person interprets a few things like this how are you doing with these things spiritual person understands delayed miracles. Now, the person in the natural realm, when there's a delay, which means something that is late or behind in your perceived timing. If something is later behind in your perceived timing or the progress of something, or you have a setback or a hindrance or an obstacle or a holdup, or an interruption these are words we don't like in the American vocabulary. hindrance, interruption, setback, hold back. Behind time. Everything's got a schedule. So my life's on a schedule. Everybody sees himself in the American scene. As going through their school years. And then you're supposed to be through college. By the time you're 23, 24. And then if you're not married. By the time you're 25 or 6. People start getting nervous. And then you're supposed to have a career job by this time. And you're supposed to have children by this time. And when that timetable gets messed up. And, and you don't have the graduations when you're supposed to, and the college when you're supposed to, or the job when you're supposed to, or the wife or the husband when you're supposed to, or the children when you're supposed to, or the promotion, or whatever it might be. People start actually saying things in your windows to you that would remind you that you're off timing. There's a delay for your life. Where's your miracle spouse? Where's your miracle job? Where's your miracle life? Why are things off time? That's not off time. Your life is in time with God's kingdom. And God's kingdom doesn't always match up to the natural realm. But you have to have faith that your steps are on the right path. And that God is actually putting everything together. And your realm of living is not dependent on your emotion. It's dependent on the will of God. And if God has you at that time and that place, you should shout hallelujah and amen. And accept the timing. People frustrate themselves trying to produce a miracle. It's not a miracle at all. It's a work of the flesh. It's an Ishmael. It's a problem. We need to allow the delays to have a work in us. In John chapter 11. A miracle with a delay. Lazarus. Remember what Lazarus' beautiful sister said to Jesus. After Lazarus had died. She said, Lord. This is Martha. Lazarus' sister. If you had been here, this would not have happened. How many times have we simply looked Jesus right in the face, looked God right in the face, looked life right in the face, said it to someone else. If God had have been here, this would not have happened. If God would have intervened. If God would have stopped. If the Holy Spirit would Martha says, if you had been here, none of this would have happened. And Jesus said to her, I delayed for a reason. Why would you delay? He's already been dead a few days. Why do you now come? It's all over with now. Jesus is not over with. The delay had a purpose. And the purpose was to glorify God. And I wanted to work it out according to my timetable, not yours. How hard is it for us to respond to a timetable that is not ours? For me, that's a tough one. I don't like delays, interruptions, stops, hindrances, someone to get into my timetable. I want to just move with the timetable I have, but through life, That doesn't happen. God is going to bring his timetables to you. And when you have a spiritual perspective on miracles, you understand delays are not denials. They're simply reassigning the clock to work with God's clock more than your clock. Spiritual people understand miracles can be resisted in the supernatural realm, the enemy of your soul, the demons of hell. There's all kinds of resistance to anything that is righteous and good. You have to stand in faith. You have to believe God for salvation. Believe God for prodigals. Believe God for healing. Believe God for answered prayer. You can't just become a pessimist and let the thing go. You have to stand in the gap. You have to pray it through. You have to persevere. You have to resist the devil when he comes in like a flood. A spiritual person keeps a miracle expectation that miracle expectation has a very simple little confession. It's like this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, he still works miracles. Say it out loud. He still works miracles. He still works miracles. He still has power. Come on, say it. He still has power. God hath not changed. Say it with me. God has not changed. Changed. Miracles are here even when I can't see them. Come on, say it. Miracles are here even when I can't see them. How many of you have experienced some very unfortunate and difficult delays in your life? Look at the hands all around. There will always be people experiencing delays. How many have ever questioned God during a delay? Let me see the hands. Questioned God during a delay time. How many have ever had a miracle that you knew was coming into your life, into your world, into the people around you, and that miracle was resisted? How many... Have had a hard time at times to keep that miracle expectation. To keep saying Jesus is the same. Jesus hasn't changed. God is faithful. He still has power. He still works miracles. Miracles are here even when I can't see them. Sometimes it's difficult. Hebrews 10.23. Hold fast the confession of your hope. Christ is the same. God has not changed. God is still working for you. Miracles are still around your life. The timetable is still set. God is in control. The spiritual person lived in a higher level that refuses smallness of spirit. I want this to get into your spirit right now. And I want you to refuse smallness of spirit. I want you to refuse living only in the natural realm. I want you to refuse giving in to the delay murmuring and, and bickering that you have with yourself and God. Just let it go. I want you to begin to spiritually put on your armor and resist the enemy as he tries to take miracles from your life. I want you to put the words back into your confession. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. God can do the impossible. I need to see things the way they really are, not the way I perceive them to be. A spiritual person pushes their spirit out. So they don't become a person who has a small spirit. 2 Corinthians refers to this kind of person as it speaks about Paul. How all the things came to cramp him, bind him, limit him, box him, beat him. From shipwreck to beatings to people turning against him to disappointments. But Paul says, I thank God I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He, he broke out. He did not let life and disappointments and delays and those things that we don't like in timetables to press him into being a small-minded man and a small-minded spirit with a small-minded destiny and a small little step he would take to get there. Paul would break out. Second Kings 6. Verse 1 and 2, the sons of the prophet said to Elijah, see now, the place, Second King six, one and two, the place where we dwell is too small for us. Let us make a new place. Bring some new beams, and we're gonna build A new dwelling place. Could it be that for some of us, the place we dwell in the spirit of God, the place we dwell in our world of prayer and our world of expectation, we have let it become too small of a room and too cramped and it's beat us down so that we actually have smallness of spirit. I want to preach it into your heart today. I want you to build yourself a new room. I want you to press out smallness of spirit. And I want there to come a large spirit into your heart and mind that you would press into the future. Zephaniah 1.12 says, God not pleased with those who settle in complacency. Isaiah 28.20, the bed is too short. The covering's too narrow. Isaiah 49 and verse 20, your children will rise up and say, Give me a place where I may dwell, for this place is too small. Matthew 15.28, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. I want you to receive what God has for you. I want you to open your hands and reach out and take it. I want you in your spirit to enlarge and break through. I want you in your prayer to open up the heavens. Reaching out by faith for your potential miracles. My faith is on three things. My faith is on the word of God. Whatever God says in his word, I'm going to preach it, teach it, pray it, believe it, stand on it, talk about it, sing it. Number two, my faith is in and on the work of Christ. I know that in Christ I can be a new man. I know that in Christ I have forgiveness. I know that in Christ I have a brand new life that's starting up. It can start right now. Everything in the past can be wiped out. It doesn't make any sense to people. It's a hard thing for people to put their mind around. But there's a new start for you right now. A new start for your mind, for your heart, for your marriage, for your future, for your job, for your problem, for your habits. His mercies are new every morning. My Bible says he bore not only our iniquities, but our sicknesses on the cross. So I have great faith in the work of the cross And my faith is in and on the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit. I know I can bring it to God in prayer. I can depend on God in prayer. I can pray these things and believe because I know my largeness of spirit will reach out and take what belongs to me. I want you to believe that God has miracles for you right now. Seeing, I want you to see. Move from your blindness to your sight. Seeing the God miracles for my life. Here's some things I'd like you to see right now. One. God has called me and marked me out. I have a destiny. It's so basic. I say it all the time. But people need to hear this. Jeremiah 29 11, God has a future and a hope for you. Isaiah 41 and verse 9. You're my servant. I have chosen you. I have not cast you away. You're chosen. You have a destiny. God has marked you out. His hand is on your life. Whatever has happened up to this point can be put behind you and you can move forward. Number two, God has great things in store for you. You're favored and you're blessed. The great Jabaz prayer captures it more than anything else. When Jabaz prayed that prayer out of his pain, Oh God bless me, enlarge my territory. Oh, that your hand would be on me. And God granted his request. Would you just pray the j prayer? Every day for a while, First Chronicles 4, 9. Just pray, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Pray, Isaiah 41 and verse 9. I have a destiny. I am favored. I am blessed. I can have largeness of destiny and heart. God's going to bring me into a new realm. Number three. God desires to restore my life and everything the enemy has stolen. What has the enemy stolen from you? What is it? Your purity, your mind, your unity, your love, your wholesomeness, your belief in other people, your positive tongue. What has the enemy stolen from you? Your ability to be a happy person, your ability to be a great friend. Your ability to carry on in life and be a success. Isaiah forty-two twenty-two. A people robbed and plundered. And no one says restore. But I'm saying right now, restore, oh God. Everything that the locust has eaten. Everything the enemy has come in to take. Number four, God desires to work by his mighty power. A new miracle in your life. That you would have to say to other people. The Lord has done mighty things. God visited me. God turned my life around. God moved me from blindness to sight. God has changed my worldview. I have a perspective where I can honestly say that I'm believing God for a miracle every day, however small or great. You can live believing there are no miracles or you can live believing everything is a miracle as God brings them into your life. Five, God desires to open new doors. What are the new doors? Revelation 4-1, a door standing open in heaven. The voice says, come up. Well, you have to have a spirit and an attitude to say, I'm willing to go up. Open the new door. And number six, God desires to speak forcefully to you. Luke 2.19, Mary kept all these things in her heart. She pondered them. Why? Because it was the word of God. God came to her. God came to all the different characters of the Bible. God still comes to people today. And God has a miracle word for you, a miracle dream for you, a miracle future for you. A miracle healing for you, a miracle salvation for you, a miracle turnaround in your marriage and your children, whatever it might be. Won't you believe that God is capable? And the realm we're after is the realm of miracles.